Well, good evening, folks. Uh, let me add my welcome to you. It's great to see you again after such a busy week. Um, I know a few of you were able to join us on Wednesday. We had a lovely time in the morning. Um, and we're here tonight, and we've got a one-off in a psalm. It's Psalm 62, and it's on page 479. Um, so we're going to read that just now. Psalm 62, page 479. First one. For God alone my soul waits in silence. From him comes my salvation. He alone is my rock and my salvation. My fortress I shall not be greatly shaken. How long will all of you attack a man to batter him like a leaning wall, a tottering fence? They only plan to thrust him down from his high position. They take pleasure in falsehood. They bless with their mouths, but inwardly they curse. For God alone, O my soul, waits in silence. For my hope is from him. He alone is my rock and my salvation. My fortress, I shall not be shaken. On God rests my salvation and my glory. My mighty rock, my refuge is God. Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Those of lower state are but a breath. Those of higher state are a delusion. In the balances they go up and together, lighter than a breath. Put no trust in extortion. Set no vain hopes on robbery. If riches increase, set not your heart on them. Once God has spoken, twice have I heard this, that power belongs to God and that to you, O Lord, belongs steadfast love. For you will render to a man according to his work. Well, please keep your Bibles open. The children are going to go to their groups with Natalie. And a few more have arrived to join in, which is great. Well, we've just read the psalm together. And I'm going to ask you a few questions about it in just a moment. Um, But first of all, I'm going to ask you a question um, about yourself. And it's this. What makes you feel secure? What would make you secure? Someone asked me uh, how I feel about the year ahead, uh, 2020, and the truth is it's hard to say because I just can't know a lot of what's going to happen. But it's worth thinking, what one thing, if it were to happen next year, would make me feel secure? What's that one thing? Well, I put a few suggestions down on your sheets, what I thought would be the top three. Uh, First one, health. Uh, Maybe it's losing the Christmas weight. We'll try. Or there are no doubts people, others here who have really struggled with illness this past year. And maybe we're, there's some who are awaiting test results uh, for after the, the break. And it can be a hugely unsettling time, can't it? And the all clear would be a, a, a big relief. Would that be the security for you? The second one, wealth. Well, lots of us would say more money would make us feel secure. Or the means of getting it, perhaps. A stable job, which is not easy to find. Uh, Again, it's unsettling if you wonder how you have enough for your family. Would money make you more secure? certainly would feel like that, wouldn't it? And thirdly, which is probably the big one for me, security found in others. And we can look for security in what people think of us. I know I do. And we've just read this song composed by one of the famous kings of Israel. I'm sure you know him, David. And twice we've heard him say these words. 
I will not be greatly, greatly be shaken. He says that, I will not greatly be shaken. How can someone in such power and in such uncertain times and with many opponents, as we'll see, how can he say that with such confidence? How can a man who it seems everyone has it in for have such assurance and security? And could this be what bring, can bring us security for you and for me? Uh, well, you'll see it on your sheets. The first thing we're going to see is that David finds security in God, his refuge. Now, uh, let me read verse 1 and 2. For God alone my soul waits in silence. From him comes my salvation. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be greatly shaken. Seven times in this psalm, David, David refers to God as a rock. Um, so Ian, I know you're into rock music, but this is actually the original rock song. Um, it was to be sung. And he refers to God as his rock, a fortress, and a refuge. And um, you could say that's his chorus, because it's there in verses 1 and 2. But it, then it comes up again in verses 5 and 6. Almost exactly the same identical words. God is David's protection, and where David finds ultimate security, God is firm, stable, immovable. In fact, this is a characteristic David uses often in the Psalms. In 20 other Psalms, he'll talk, to, talk about God being his rock. Uh, there's some examples there. Psalm 31, verse 2, he says, Be a rock of refuge for me, a strong fortress to save me. In Psalm 94, he says, But the Lord has become my stronghold, and my God, the rock of my refuge. David's discovered that he has ultimate security in God. Compared to the things around him, whether enemies or success, whether good times or bad. And no doubt, actually, it's his situation that has brought David to see it all the more. I'm going to see something of that. Because God being his security isn't an abstract thought. It's not just David saying something about God. Uh, it's more than that. There are very real threats facing David in verses 3 and 4. And he talks about them. It seems like he, he knows what's, what their plan is. Um, it relates to what's going on in his life. So God's word is impacting what goes on in his life. Well, let's look at that and what David's enemies are up to in verses 3 and 4. It says this. It describes what's been going on, really. David says, How long will all of you attack a man to batter him? Like a leaning wall, a tottering fence. They only plan to thrust him down from his high position. They take pleasure in falsehood. They bless with their mouths, but inwardly they curse. So if you were to picture those... Um, those three things uh, that the people were using to try and get at David. Well, the first one's fists in verse 3. How long will you attack a man to batter him? Uh, the third one, uh, second one's falsehood. So they love, take pleasure in falsehood and they use lies about him. And the third one is flattery. And uh, they bless with their mouths. David, you're a great guy. But inwardly they curse him. And so it's hard really for David to see who's, on, who's for him and who's against him. It's pretty hard for him to, to work that out. 
must feel pretty uncertain for him. And yet, we've heard him say, I shall not be greatly shaken. David's confidence and security is in God, his refuge. He seems pretty aware of their schemes, doesn't he? And they're menacing and underhand. Their intention is to remove David from the throne. They'll use any means, and we've seen those three. But having ultimate security in God changes David's perspective, and we start to see that through this psalm. So fully aware of their threat, he now views it differently. Um, He views his aggressors differently. So in that verse 3, the leaning wall and the tottering fence isn't him, it's them. How long will you, will all of you, like a leaning wall, a tottering fence? So actually, compared to the anchor of God and the, the firm, stable, immovable God, they are actually pretty flimsy. They're not going to last. And um, he starts to see his aggressors differently. And um, he starts to get a different perspective on them. And actually, it changes the way he feels about what they're trying to do to him too. And um, their intention may be to topple him off from the throne, but they will not have the ultimate say in his life. He knows that actually... If they're against God, they're going to be the ones that fall, not him. So David's security is in God, and that's not something they can touch. That's what David refers to in verse 5. He refers to his chorus. Uh, It's almost identical to verse 1 and 2, but for the, the difference. What's the difference? Well, actually, it's no longer just a statement, my soul waits in silence. It's an encouragement. It's a personal encouragement. So he says, for God alone, O my soul, wait in silence. Have you seen it's changed? David's telling himself to do that. His soul to wait, and my hope is from him. So it's an active thing. It's a response. Um, The conclusion that David draws from all this is verse 7. So verses 5 and 6 are quite similar. Um, Verse 7, the conclusion he draws is verse 7, and it says... On God rests my salvation and my glory. So his conclusion is this. My salvation depends on God. And it doesn't depend on anyone else. My salvation depends on God. And if God is secure, then his salvation is secure. And if God is secure and his salvation is secure, then David is secure. He can say, I will not be greatly shaken. Well, in the rest of this psalm, David actually turns his praise outwards to bless and encourage God's people. So you see in verse 8, he he turns it to say, trust in him. Who's he talking to? Well, he's talking to, O people, Israel. He turns his praise outwards to bless and encourage God's people. He invites them, and he invites us, to find our ultimate security in God. And in his salvation. And to put our trust in him. So that's our second point. He is your refuge. Is that what it says? He is your refuge. Trust in him at all times. That's what it says. Verse 8. Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Not just a refuge for David. He's a refuge for us. Well, what does it mean to trust in him at all times? 
Uh, well, David actually tells us, doesn't he? He says, pour out your heart before him. That's a pretty clear picture, isn't it, of prayer? Pour out your heart before him. Come to God and tell him and talk to him and share with him what's, what you're going through. And, and come before him and be able to bring, bring that before him. Pour out your heart before him. And actually, as, as David does that, we can see he's, his perspective is changing because he's seeing that his security is in God. And he's modelling for us how we can come to God and put our trust in God. And God will change us as we do that as well. And we'll see that our security is in him. Um, And it's worth saying, isn't it, that like us, David failed miserably at this. Can anyone think of an example? Trusting God? When when do you think David might have failed at trusting God? Go on, Ava. Bathsheba. Right. So he definitely did the wrong thing there. I think we know that. But why is that not trusting God? Well, I guess he didn't fail at the hurdle that we thought he would, where he would fear his enemies. That wasn't fearing his enemies, was it? It was, it was actually not trusting God to give him a good thing. So it's taking something that God hadn't give, given him, and that showed he didn't trust God. So as we do, David did not trust God completely. He failed. And that's why David isn't pointing us to himself. He's pointing us to put our trust, not in him, but in Jesus. And we heard on Wednesday how when Jesus came, people discovered a true fear of God. Meeting God is scary. But also that Jesus would be the one who'd ensure our safety before him. He'd take the worst kind of death that would remove it from us so that we would never have to face it. So that's why David wants us to put our trust in God. Our salvation comes from him. Well, we've still got a bit more to go. We've got 9 through to 12. We're about two-thirds of the way there. Is everyone still with me? Great. Now, well, in verses 9 and 10, David brings to the scales other things we place our confidence in. Well, he continues the weight description. Because if you think of that fortress, that rock, they're, they're huge, they're hefty. They're not going anywhere. But he brings, continues the weight description in verses 9 and 10. And he applies them to the things that we put our confidence in. And perhaps these, and they're just two examples, and perhaps these are the two big ones for David. We mentioned them at the start, and he had an abundance of both. He had lots of people around him, and he had lots of riches. So let's look at them in verse 9 and 10. What does David say about those? He says, those of of lower state are but a breath. Those of higher state are a delusion. In the balances, the scales, they go up. They're together lighter than a breath. Put no trust in extortion. Set no vain hopes on robbery. If riches increase, set not your heart on them. So first one then, people. If you think of, the per- think of a person now who is the most influential and powerful person on this planet. Got someone in mind? I think I know who I've got in my mind. Um, uh, And then think of the person who's perhaps the the most looked over, that no one would put confidence in. Even if those both were put on a scale, 
They are lighter than the breath. In that there's nothing of substance to put your confidence in, to rest your hopes on. Compared to the rock, the immovable God, these are but a breath. So David says, don't put your trust there. That's sobering, isn't it? That we tend to put our trust in people, but such a bad place to put our trust. If we know ourselves and we know other people. Um, And then riches. Uh, Well, under pressure, this is the other place we can look to. Because actually money can give us security, can't it? Or it can make us feel safe when we feel under, under attack. Um, and David could have done that. And yet it can't provide the security we need. It may guarantee favour of some for a time. It may promise to keep enemies at bay because we can slip them a fiver or whatever. But soon they will want what we have for themselves if we have those riches. And actually, if you think about Israel, when Hezekiah invited people to see all his riches in the temple trove in Isaiah 39, they were the people who then came and robbed him. (laughs) So that didn't work, did it? It wasn't going to be his security. In verses 11 and 12, David again returns to God, and this is the last bit, as as God and his word as a firm foundation. Let's read them together. It says, Once God has spoken, twice have I heard this, the power belongs to God, and that to you, O Lord, belongs steadfast love. For you will render to a man according to his work. David said, To God belongs both power, he can do whatever he wants, and steadfast love, he has given himself and promised himself to a people, and his love for them is unchanging. And unfailing. And so they can safely trust him. He is their security. He is their hope. So David can be sure that even though present opposition is concealed. And he doesn't really know what's going on. God knows who is who. That's what he says isn't it. God will render to a man according to his work. In verse 12. And actually God will do the sorting out he knows who's who's his and who's not and people's lives will ultimately show whether their faith is real or whether it's a sham so david can put that he can have that assurance as well he can know that god is the one who sees that and knows knows our hearts um so what can we take home from this well if you're new to church it's great that you're here And actually, would you hear it from a rich and influential man that true security is found in God alone? Because it's on him that salvation rests. And you can be saved. You can be safe with him forever. And though it may not seem like you need saving, you do. Because we've all lived our own way. We've all lived in opposition to God. And we should not expect his safety by his punishment come to him say you are the the only safe place you are the only hope the one who can save Um, maybe you've been around church a lot and if you're honest well we find security in what others think of us don't we so our righteousness is, is a big deal on Sundays 
and what people in church would say. But actually, maybe we don't really sense anything of ourselves in verse 8. That actually, we, we hear God's word, but we don't really pour out our heart to him. We don't actually go from what we hear on Sundays to putting our trust in, in what we've heard. And this is a really helpful thing, isn't it? Because it shows that actually we need to talk to God about that. We need to, we need to come to him and say, yeah, this is not just the truth about you. This is for me. This is something I need to respond to. And maybe part of that is admitting that we've put our security in the wrong place. And it should be in him. Well, if you're a Christian, uh, prayer is big in the life of a Christian. Not because it's a religious activity that we should do. But because prayer is placing our trust in God and not in ourselves. Perhaps the reason we're, we're secure, uh, we're so insecure at times, is because we don't pray. And actually, this is one of the things that um, we're going to hear about next week. Uh, when uh, Adrian comes to us, we're going to be hearing about prayer. We're going to, the whole of the co-mission network is going to be thinking about prayer and learning um, and showing, seeing really that we don't pray. Uh, but if we, if we did, the truth about God wouldn't just stay abstract. They'd be truth for us. They'd relate to the things that are going on in our lives. And, um, and we'd learn that our security is in him. And actually, if you see David, it would, it would start to encourage others as well. Because he doesn't just keep it to himself. He wants to encourage others to put their trust in him. So in summary, prayer reminds us of the wonderful security Christians have. Our salvation doesn't depend on others. It doesn't depend on our performance or our circumstance, whether good or bad. No one can take it away from us. And the truth you learn and hear about God will connect to the real situation you face. So you can rest in your security in God. And it will actually change the way you see flack for being a Christian. So when people are, are upset with you for being a Christian and are perhaps against you being a Christian, it will actually even change the way you view that. Um, let's pray. And then we'll open it up and people can ask some questions. For God alone my soul waits in silence. From him comes my salvation. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be greatly shaken. Father God, we are wobbly and um, we don't have um, the full assurance of your security. Or, um, we, we don't experience that because we don't uh, come to you. And um, we pray that this would help us tonight to see that we... Um, we have that uh, wonderful security in you that um, that you love us and that your love is steadfast. We pray that um, we would be those who would enjoy the fullness of that security in you. And um, through all life situations, we would be those who would pour out our hearts before you um, so that we would experience uh, your love for us. Amen. Amen.